Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today we begin a sermon series whereby your pastors will be preaching through the appointed readings for the day, focusing always on Christ Jesus and his great love for us and for all. And in fact, um, God's love expressed in Christ Jesus is and always will be the focus of our preaching here at Faith. What will be unique about these next few weeks is that we'll spend some time looking at how God's love shapes our lives together as a congregation. We've recently adopted a new guiding statement for our congregation. The statement seeks to answer two questions. Who has God called us to be? And where has God called us to be serving? To answer those questions, the Congregation of Faith Lutheran Church are those who are proclaiming and practicing God's love in our households, our congregation, and beyond. So today, we're going to be focusing on proclaiming God's love. And to do that, of course, we're going to focus on Jesus. Now, in about a week's time, the gospel readings for, uh, for the church take us from the account of Jesus as an infant to uh, the account as Jesus as a preteen. We move from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. St. Luke tells us that uh, the Holy Family has a habit of traveling to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. Now, this particular year in the life of Jesus marks the formal beginning of his um, instruction in the temple. We might think of it like a confirmation class. Here the 12-year-old Jesus learns, hears, and he inwardly digests God's word as he meets with the priests and the scribes. And here Jesus also begins to take a more active role in the feast themselves. We hear from St. Luke that, that after the feast of Passover has ended, the pilgrim families pack up and they're making their way home. This was the case for Mary and Joseph and for the extended family, but not for Jesus. Just where was Jesus? Well, after three days of searching, they find him still in the temple with the teachers and the wise ones. They find Jesus asking questions of God's word. And they find him giving answers to questions concerning God's word. Jesus is, is every teacher's dream. He is humble and a willing student of God's word. Now look, you and I know that Jesus isn't just an ordinary preteen. We know that, but his earthly parents didn't have that hindsight. They struggled and they wondered and pondered what all these odd things about their child meant. I mean, Jesus was very much so like the other boys uh, in that he grew, he matured, and he did the things that ordinary preteens did in first century Jerusalem. But at the same time, he was so much different than them. I mean, what 12-year-old stays longer for more confirmation instruction? This boy spends more time listening and learning God's word than parents would have expected. Jesus puts himself under the teachers in the temple, even though he is God's word in the flesh. 
He places himself then also under the authority of his parents, even though Jesus is the source of all authority. He is a boy, as boys are meant to be, and yet at the same time, God in the flesh. So what does this mean? Why is this account recorded in Luke's Gospel? What are we to do with this knowledge of Jesus in the temple and a a pupil, a student of God's Word? Well, first, we are called to hear and to believe that Christ Jesus, even as a 12-year-old boy, is fulfilling all righteousness. What does this mean? It means that Jesus is doing what no 12-year-old boy, or grown man for that matter, could ever do. Jesus is keeping the fourth commandment. He is honoring his father and his mother. He's not rebelling against them. He's not trash-talking them. He isn't being sarcastic with them. He is God in the flesh, putting himself under their authority. And that's righteous. He is also at the same time gladly hearing God's word and obeying it. He is fulfilling or keeping the first three commandments as well. Jesus is demonstrating a right relationship with the Heavenly Father as the only begotten Son of God, and yet still a 12-year-old boy. Again, this is something completely unique of Jesus, because in Jesus, there is no sin. Here Jesus is in the temple, and all righteousness is being fulfilled as he submits to the authority both of the Heavenly Father and of his earthly parents, thus keeping the commandments. It's righteous. It's what no one else has ever done, because Jesus is without sin. But why is he doing this? What's the purpose? Well, Luke tells us in the rest of the Gospel, It's so that when Jesus becomes a man, he will proclaim the kingdom of God. He will demonstrate the love of God for his creation in all that Jesus says and does. And he will return to Jerusalem to be offered as the sacrificial Passover lamb some 21 years after he first sat in the temple to learn. Jesus will suffer and die in your place. He will go missing for three days as he is laid in the tomb. But he will be found again by by the women, by the twelve, and by many others. He will ascend into heaven and yet be with his church on earth. He will make people his temples by the Holy Spirit, beginning already at Pentecost, and continuing to this very day, where the church and all of you living stones proclaim the love of God in our various vocations until the day of his glorious bodily return. And yet before Jesus does all of this, he sits, he listens, he learns, He comes under the authority of his priests and his parents. So what does this mean for for us as the church here and now? What does it mean for you, living stones, you temples of the Holy Spirit assembled at Faith Lutheran Church? 
Well, first off, it means that Christ has fulfilled all righteousness for the purpose of making you his temples. In your sin, you were cut off and you were scattered. You were without life and without hope and without purpose. But all of that has changed because of Christ Jesus. All that he has done and all that he continues to do is out of his great love for you. He kept the commandments where we fail. He gave himself as a sacrifice to redeem us. He shed his blood that we might be washed clean of our sin. And he gives the Holy Spirit that we might be his. Now all this we hear and we learn from the scriptures. And hearing, we trust that his sacrifice was sufficient. And in hearing, our faith in Christ, the Passover lamb, is strengthened. And in faith, by the Holy Spirit, Christ dwells in us and we in him. So now that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, our lives are going to look much more like Jesus. The Spirit of God makes us to delight in his commandments. His Spirit, through the Word, convicts us when we don't, and His Spirit, by the Word, leads us back to Christ for the forgiveness of our sin, as He empowers us to follow after Christ as our example. And in this instance, we are called to focus on the example of Christ hearing God's Word and keeping it. For before any of us can begin to proclaim God's love, well, we first have to know it, to hear it, to believe it. Now already in baptism, this good work has begun in each of you, as by baptism, who have been washed of your sin and united to Christ Jesus and made temples of the Holy Spirit, and thanks be to God. And yet Jesus calls his church, his disciples, to be taught all that he has commanded. Hearing, knowing, and believing God's word is an essential part of who we are and in turn of our proclamation. You are dearly loved by God. And so I pray that, that, that you take every opportunity to come under his care, to listen, to learn at his feet, and to know the depths of his love for you and for all people, as he makes it clear in the Holy Scriptures. Make use of the Bible studies, of Sunday school, of devotions, and most certainly of our Sunday services. And then as you love, or as you, as you learn that love, you are to go and proclaim it wherever it is that God has called you. Over the next few weeks, we'll continue to hear, know, and I pray, believe God's word, God's love shown you in word and sacrament. We'll continue to go through this guiding statement of our congregation so that we'll have a clearer picture of who God has called us to be and where God is calling us to serve. I pray that the Lord of the church would grant us clarity as we seek to proclaim and practice God's love in our households, our congregation, and beyond. Amen.